Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. I love it. You guys can say that back to me. Let's like break the barrier right now, okay? That, you know, this is not a spectator sport. Excited to celebrate the risen Jesus alongside of you uh, together. My name is Corbin. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, if you're new with us, I just, this is being rehearsed and said over and over again. If you're new with us, we want to help you get connected. Whether you're here in the room or you're joining us online, the easiest way for you to do that is to fill out a connect card. We're not going to like take that and sell it to telemarketers and make money off of you or anything like that. We just want to help you get connected into community where you can make some friends and explore Jesus alongside of us. I want to uh, kick us off today by just naming a reality that goes along with days like this, holidays like this. It's really easy to move really quickly through a day like this and get distracted from the main thing right? Like with all kinds of good things. It's like all the things that I did with my daughters yesterday because I'm a pastor and I was going to be here all morning, right? We did the Easter egg hunt yesterday morning. The Easter bunny visited our house yesterday morning and you've been doing that today. You've got food and family and friends for the rest of the day. And with all of those good things, it's easy to just move quickly through this day and forget or miss out on the central thing we're celebrating today. And so I just want to kick us off by naming the central thing that we're celebrating today. Here it is. The tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is alive right now. He has defeated death, and we're all being invited into that reality. This is what stands at the heart of today. This good news that through Jesus' life, death on the cross, and resurrection from the dead, all of humanity is being invited back into life the way it was meant to be lived. This is the good news that stands at the heart of today. Death has been defeated. Jesus reigns as king, and we gather together to celebrate this reality. And so here's what I want to do. Before we dive in, I just want to take a moment. I want us all to take a deep breath, and I want to pray for us that that good news would settle into our minds and settle into our hearts as we celebrate it together before we unpack our Bible passage, all right? So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you uh, that though we could not defeat death ourselves, you have defeated death. We celebrate that reality together today. We pray that you would give us minds to understand the scriptures as we open up your word, the Bible. We pray that you would give us hearts to receive what you have to speak to us today. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you, like me, have ever lost your phone, your keys, and, or your wallet, you know that one of the most frustrating things in the world is looking for something that you really want or need in all the wrong places. Like, I'll just have a moment of transparency with you. If you ever want to question whether or not I'm qualified to be a Bible teacher, just find me in that moment. It's like, find me in a moment when I've lost something that I really want or need and I can't find it. And you would look in and you'd say, I'm not sure that guy is qualified to teach me the Bible. Like one of the most frustrating things in the world is looking for something that you want or need in the wrong place. It's terrible. And whether you're here and you would consider yourself religious or you're joining us online and you would consider yourself religious or you're here because it's Easter and your friend or your spouse made you come, let's be real, we all know how that works. No matter what camp you find yourself in, all of us have common longings. 
We all really are the same. All of us are looking for a life marked by things like wholeness and fulfillment and joy and peace and happiness and ultimately hope for a bright future. Like, I don't know a living, breathing human being who having that list put in front of them goes, yeah, I don't want any of that stuff, right? We all have these common longings. But most of us have the tendency to live frustrated and irritated because it feels like those things that we all want and need evade us. It feels like the things that we all want and need are constantly just like slipping through our fingers and it feels so frustrating. And one of the things we know is that one of the most frustrating things in the world is looking for something that you really feel like you want or need in all the wrong places and feeling like you just can't find it. Well, if I were to take today's teaching and sum it up into one big idea that I want you to walk away with, here is what I would say. This is the one thing that I want you to chew on today in our Bible teaching, the one thing that stands at the center of the Bible passage that we're going to uncover, and the one thing I want you to go out of this place or log off of online thinking about and chewing on. Here's what it would be. Only Jesus can give you everything that you're looking for. This is the truth that stands at the heart of this Easter Sunday. Only Jesus can give you everything that you're looking for. And because of that, your search for the good life can be over today. Only Jesus can give you everything that you're looking for. We're going to study a passage from the last book of the Bible today, the book of Revelation. And this book of the Bible gives us a picture of the future of what our real lives and our real world will be like when Jesus finally gets his way, when Jesus is finally king. And one of the things you're going to see as we unpack this scripture together is that it really is the most beautiful, compelling thing in the world. And the point of us looking at this passage, the reason this Bible passage was given to us is to show us that Jesus really is the only one who can give us what we are looking for. So let's dive in, starting in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. It says this, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. So this is King Jesus speaking from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Okay, so this is painting this bright future that Jesus is going to bring about, and the very first picture of the bright future that Jesus is inviting all of us into is this future where God is going to, it says, dwell with humanity. Quite literally, like, God is going to live with us, and we are going to live with God. This, right here, if you were to read this passage in light of the whole story of the Bible, is the primary reason that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again, so that we could live in the full presence of God again. The very bright future that Jesus promises is a future in the full presence of God. Now, here's what I know, even as we start to unpack verse 3. I'm really talking to two different kinds of people. Some of you are uh, religious. You would consider yourself a Christian. You would consider yourself a follower of Jesus. And you look at verse 3 and you're like, yes, 
I can't wait to be in the presence of God. It's going to be the greatest thing in the world. Verse 3 is my hope, baby. I can't wait. But a lot of people, especially if you're here and you're like exploring Christianity or exploring different religious traditions, you look at verse 3 and you go, why would I want that at all? Why would that be like a picture of the bright future? In fact, if you're kind of new to Christianity, one of the things I realize is that for a lot of people, the presence of God doesn't feel like good news. The presence of God feels terrifying and scary and uncomfortable. It's like if that's what Jesus is inviting me into, I'm not sure I want Jesus. And the reason that God's presence feels that way to us is because for most people, our image of God or conception of God has been so formed by some of the worst people that we see on the news. It's like, I'll give you a couple examples. It's like you see people on the news who are protesting things like funerals and holding signs up and picketing and going, man, like, repent or burn. And you see this on the news, and these people call themselves Christians, and you're like, man, if that's what a Christian is like, I want nothing to do with their God. I don't ever want to meet that God. It's like, of course. Of course. I'll give you one that's a little bit closer to home, one that's a little bit more confusing. You see a group of people storming our nation's capital just a couple of months ago, and they're holding signs that say things like Jesus saves while threatening to murder the vice president of the United States. And you see that on the news and you're like, man, if that's what a Christian is like, I want nothing to do with their God. If that's what a Christian is like, I want to stay as far away from their God as possible. But then here we have in Revelation 21 this bright future that Jesus is going to be bringing about. And the very first thing in verse 3 is that Jesus is going to bring us into the presence of God. God is going to live with us. We are going to live with him. And we have to ask the question, well, man, like, why is that good news at all? Like, why would I want that at all? Well, if we pay attention to the Bible, we will see that the true God of Christianity is much different than he is often portrayed or imagined to be. In fact, this is why we love the Bible around here, and we open up the Bible around here every week, because the Bible always is correcting our misunderstandings of God in the most beautiful way in the world. And this is what Revelation chapter 21 does, starting in verse 4. So we have Jesus coming, and he's going, man, I'm going to bring about this future where you're going to dwell in the presence of God. And in verse 4, he starts to unpack what it's going to look like, how God is going to interact with us when we are welcomed into his presence. Look at what verse 4 says. You're going to be welcomed into the presence of God, verse 4, and God is going to rebuke you for all of the bad things you've done in life. That's not what verse 4 says. You're going to be welcomed into the presence of God and God's going to like play a slideshow of all of the secret things that you've done in life that you're ashamed of and he's going to show all of heaven and then he's going to stand there and you're going to stand, he's going to stand over here, you're going to stand over there and he's going to go, shame on you, shame, shame. That's not what verse 4 says. You're going to stand before God when Jesus welcomes you into the presence of God and he's going to go like this. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. 
That's not what verse 4 says. We imagine God to be like that, but that's not what God is like. What does verse 4 say? The very first thing that the creator of the universe is going to do when Jesus welcomes us into his presence. Let's read it. You've been reading it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It really is stunning to think that the very first thing that the God of the universe will do on the day he begins to make all things new is stop, pay attention to the tears that we've cried, and wipe every single one of them out of our eyes. Guys, this is what the God of Christianity is like. Now, there are a lot of things that I love about this promise at the beginning of verse 4, but the thing that I think that I love the most is how non-dismissive it is of the real pain of real life for real people. It shows us that our God doesn't deal in like subjective spirituality. That's not the hope of the resurrection. It shows us that Guys, our God deals in reality. It shows us that he both knows and cares about the things that have made you cry. Whatever that is. The loss that you've experienced, the betrayals that you've experienced in life, the confusion, the pain. And the first move he makes is not to like, slap us on the back and be like, get better, buddy. I'm making all things new. Be dismissive. That's what happens a lot. But to pay attention to the pain and the tears that you've cried and to wipe them away, to comfort us. Guys, that's what God is like. That's different than we imagine her to be. But then it gets better. From there, he moves, with, moves from dealing with our past, which he's going to deal with, to dealing with the future and making these beautiful, bright promises about the kind of life and the kind of world he's bringing about. Look at the remainder of verse 4 with me. It says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Just let that settle on you. This is the promise of Jesus. Jesus that there's a day coming in our world where people won't die anymore. That means that grief, crying, and pain will be no more because, I love this line, the previous things have passed away. Then, Jesus talks again, the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Now, I just want us to stare at and consider the weight and reality of what's being promised here. Just like naming this stuff and sitting in it together for just a minute and letting it not kind of like slough off of us like some kind of like disconnected spiritual reality, but say, man, we as Christians believe that this day is on the way, baby, okay? That the resurrection promises that this day is coming, Jesus is promising the wiping away of all things sad, the defeat of death forever. His resurrection is just the first resurrection of billions of resurrections. 
This is it. Death is going to be defeated forever. And welcome into a new reality where there's no such thing as anything that could cause grief or tears or even an ounce of pain ever again. This is the world that Jesus is bringing about. A world where anything like that will be referred to as, I love this, the previous things instead of the current things. I love that. For most people, Christianity feels so disconnected from reality, right? It's like, it's just seen as this spiritual, subjective, maybe hope, like what am I going to float around like a little bitty angel playing a harp all, all, for all of eternity? That sounds terrible. But what Revelation 21 says and is showing us is that's not going to be our reality at all. We're going to live physically forever It's so connected from reality. What we see Jesus promise right here couldn't be any more connected to our real world where things like grief and tears and death overwhelm us. That's real. We just lived through 2020, guys. And what Jesus is promising in Revelation 21 is the real physical reversal of everything sad forever. Let that just dawn on you. You will never cry again when Jesus gets his way. You will never lose a family member again when Jesus gets his way. You will never have to fear death again. Hospitals will be no more when Jesus gets his way. I don't know what the doctors are going to do. In fact, I don't know what I'm going to do. But it's going to be better, baby. Jesus is going to get his way. What Jesus is promising in Revelation 21, what his resurrection that we celebrate today secures is real hope for real people in the real world crying real tears because of real pain. This is what Easter is all about. It's not some spiritual, ethereal, subjective, religious, disconnected hope. It's real physical hope for real people. This is the hope of the resurrection. And you just look at these promises that are made in Revelation 21 and you just consider all of this stuff that goes with verse 4 and you just have to see, man, is this not what every human being at their core is longing for? It's like that world right there. Of course it is. Now I want to show you this reality at play in this passage that I want to connect the dots on for us so that we don't miss it. Here it is. What this passage shows us is that we can't have the reality that we long for without God. Let me make that personal for you. You can't have the reality that you long for without God. Another way to say this in light of the passage is that we can't have the verse 4 realities, the ending of all things sad, without the verse 3 reality of the presence of God. God, guys, don't miss this in the passage. God is the one who makes all things new, not us. And we can't have all of this without verse 3, the presence of God dwelling with us. These two things are tied together. We can't have one without the other. And the trap that all of us fall in constantly, me included, 
is that we want verse 4, the undoing of all grief, tears, pain, death, forever, and we try to find it without God. We want verse 4 without verse 3. I mean, you just name it. It's a a political candidate that's going to make everything better, a health kick, a career advancement, a new relationship, more money, self-help, spirituality, technology, all of these things that are good things but we're prone to put our ultimate hope in. And if you, but if you've just lived a little bit of life, you know that none of those things can wipe the tears from your eyes and deliver you from death. Why? Because only God, the giver of life, can do that. I love the way C.S. Lewis, the scholar from Oxford, puts this. He was an atheist that converted to Christianity. He says this, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And what we're seeing in this Bible passage is that we are simply longing for a world where God gets his way as king. That's it. Because when that happens, and only when that happens, all things sad will be referred to as the previous things. They will be unwound and undone. This is what stands at the center of Christianity. The best way to think about Christianity, I'll give you an illustration as we begin to wind things down. The best way to think about Christianity is, and why it's good news, is to think about it like two cliffs and a bridge, okay? Let's think about it like two cliffs and a bridge. Over here on this cliff, we have humanity with all of the realities that go with humanity, our tears, our grief, our pain, and ultimately our death. And as much as we hate these realities, they are our realities, and we have, to, we have to just deal with them, and they're terrible. And over here, we find God and the presence of God in all of the Revelation 21 realities, the wiping of tears, the ending of all grief, the ending of pain, and ultimately the defeat of death. But in the middle of this, we have this massive chasm that we can't get over. We want these realities on the right, but we're stuck with these realities on the left. And the question is, how can we bridge that gap? We try to bridge that gap over and over and over again. We try and we try and we try to build a bridge so that we can have these things. But it feels fruitless. It feels like we can't find or discover the things that we all long for. And it's like, how in the world will I get across that canyon back into the presence of God so that I can have all of the things that I long for? Well, the good news at the heart of Easter Sunday and the good news at the heart of of Christianity is that the God who created you, he actually loves you. I know this is hard to imagine, but he really does love you. And he so wants to give you these realities that you long for that he has built the bridge for us that we could not build for ourselves. And the way he has bridged this gap is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. One of the clearest places we see this reality in the Bible is Romans 6.23. It's up here at the top of this slide. It says this, 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The reality is, guys, we have sinned. We've decided to reject God, the giver of life and joy, and it has destroyed everything, personally and globally. And the wages, this verse says, that we earn for our rejection of God is death. And this makes total sense when you think about it. When you reject the giver of life, the natural consequence would be death. But the good news of Christianity is that this verse, Romans 6.23, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God has decided to give you a gift. And the gift is eternal life. The gift is all of these things over here where he's unwinding all sadness. God wants to give you this gift. And the verse says that the way he will give you the gift is through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the way that God has bridged the gap between our current reality and our desired reality. Here is the good news at the heart of Christianity. Jesus, the Son of God, comes. He takes on flesh. He lives a sinless life. He goes to a cross, and on the cross, He is doing work for us. Here's what He's doing. He's taking on the punishment for our sin, for our rebellion, as he dies the death that we deserve for our sin so that we could be forgiven and we wouldn't have to endure the effects of it for all of eternity. To understand the cross, we simply understand the words, Jesus in my place. Jesus takes my sin instead of me. He's punished for my sin instead of me. He dies for my sin so that I don't have to. This is the good news of Christianity. Jesus has done all of the work so that you could be forgiven. He's placed in a grave, but then three days later, Jesus is raised from the dead as the exclamation point of God's work, showing us that by trust in him, we could be forgiven of our sin fully. Not bear its effects death, but be welcomed into the presence of God where we will then receive everything that we've been longing for. This is the hope of Christianity, guys. This is the hope of Easter Sunday. And Romans 6.23 says that this is all a gift. It's not something we earn. It's something Jesus has earned for us. And that means all there is to do is receive the gift of this bridge that God has built for you back into life the way it was created to be lived. Guys, this is the invitation of Christianity. Will you trust Jesus and enter into the hope of everything that your heart longs for? This is it. One of the most frustrating things in the world is looking for something that you want or need in the wrong place. And what you see right there in the middle of that little graphic is that your search can be over. Through Jesus, you can have your sin forgiven. Through Jesus, you can have the hope of eternal life with God. Through Jesus, you can have your tears wiped away, your grief ended, your pain ended, 
and be welcomed into resurrection life forever. What we see in this is that Jesus is the only one who can give us everything that we're looking for. Now here's what you need to know about the heights as we move into a time of responding to this word. We're never pushy around here. We make invitations, you make decisions. We're never pushy. In fact, we, we think religious pushiness is really gross and it doesn't work. But what you need to know about us is that we actually believe this stuff. Not in theory, but in reality. We actually believe that Jesus has physically risen from the dead. We actually believe that he has defeated death forever. We actually believe that if you are living and breathing, that God has not given up on you, but is inviting you into the hope of eternal life through Jesus. And we actually believe that if you will trust him, you can have all of these good realities secured for you in the future. We actually believe that. And so we're going to respond really simply today. We're just going to be singing and celebrating these realities. We're going to see, we're going to see over here in this horse trough, a couple people go public with their faith in Jesus through baptism. But if you want more information on following Jesus, we want to help you. And the easiest way to find that help is just to fill out one of those connect cards, turn it into the basket on your way out, or fill it out online. And we're going to follow up with you and we're going to have a non-pushy conversation about what your next step into life with God. So we're going to have a time celebrating. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to stand and we're going to celebrate that death has been defeated and we're all being invited into resurrection life through Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for the clarity of the gospel. This good news that says that it's not what we do that secures us the hope of eternal life. It's what Jesus has done in our place on the cross. And we pray for minds that are open, Jesus might look like. We pray for hearts that are soft to receive. And we pray ultimately that you would be honored as we celebrate your defeat of death through the resurrection. And we pray all of this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.